Hello everyone, I'm Drew. I'm Bailey. I'm not Lacey. And we're sarcastic, so let's get sinister. it up too i was thrown off by the not lacy i know that that was planned i know i know that it was planned but it still threw me off Um, so um who is the not lacy are we just calling her not lacy so lacy is currently backpacking through montana or some shit Uh i don't know she's in yellowstone she keeps sending us pictures of wild creatures i don't like animals (laughs) she said she, she sent us a picture of a buffalo and i was like that's a nice cow and then today she sent us a picture of a moose, and I was like, "Ooh, a horse!" A moose? Okay, never mind. Whatever. She's in Yellowstone. Live your best life. So, because Lacey is exploring the wilderness, um, finding herself, whatever, with her husband for Christmas. That's a great Christmas. Yeah, I mean, Side at least note, it's snowing. You want to know what I find funny? Um, well, she's like texting us and everything. Um. The amount of time, like, we've talked about how many people get lost in national parks, like, And she keeps every going. Year. She's read a book. <laughs> She's, it was her she episode, too. <laughs> She's gonna die. Or maybe she, she might is... as well just, like, wear neon and just walk right through the forest waving her hands. I, I mean, I think she's gonna get swallowed up. So, because Lacey is, um, I guess, trying to test the fates so this is sarah sarah say hi hi there you go that's hi, it hi sarah hello so be here we're sarah doesn't know why she's well she knows why I, she's here i think i know why i'm here i wasn't <laughs> kidnapped i promise but she doesn't know what we're going to be talking about today so i figure when we tell her it'd be convenient two birds one stone Tell mm. her and the listeners why we're here. Um, and I don't know. I why don't know. are we here? Well, Bailey, I don't know <laughs> if you've noticed this. I don't know if you've noticed this, Sarah. But it seems that holidays bring out the mass murderers. Like, people just want to kill large groups of people. You know what? I get it. I mean, I don't, but I get it. Is it just, like, family gatherings that people don't like? Holidays bring a lot of stress Mm. to a lot of people, and I think some people just react very poorly to that stress. Hey, family is hard. That's true. And also, if you, like, didn't get the right Christmas gift for someone... You got me a yellow jacket instead of a red one? Dead. I feel like that's, like, something personal. So, um... Bailey, I believe you have. Who are you going to be telling us about? Because what we're going to do, Bailey has a small case. I have a small case. It's going to be one of those Christmas special type dealios. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, but not happy. No, oh, that's so sad. It's a sad special. Do, do you know the of our whole show, Sarah? I mean, it depends on how you look at them. Some people might think they're happy, and that's concerning. Um, I am. I was going to say Terry Joe Duperall had a bit of a happy ending. I mean, who? Her, <laughs> the girl that was on the the lifeboat, the lifeboat girly. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, I remember she, that. yeah, she lived. 
I mean, I wouldn't say it's like a super happy ending, but it could have been. She lost her entire family and barely survived. I say everybody else died. She's in therapy for the rest of her life. I will be talking about. I feel like I'm watching up two of the same people. It's a little scary. We grew up together. I can tell. This is why we needed a third person. Yeah, it would have been way too. Yeah, it's snarky. Too much. There'd be a full episode of just sarcastic. Well, it would go from sinister and sarcastic to sinister and just snarky assholes. I can see that. We need we need like a calm mellow. I don't think so. I'm the calm mellow, but okay. Alrighty. So Bailey, I'm I'm gonna be talking about the Lawson family murders. Who the you who? Have- Lawson. Lawson. Um, I will be talking about the Anderson family. Okay. Lots of it's a family friendly episode. Easy, pronu- easy to pronounce names for once. Yeah. Yeah, to be, I'm very excited, especially because um, there's only like one word in my entire case that I needed to Google. Um, oh. Yeah, I only Googled some background, and when we get to my case, I'll tell you what I Googled. But uh, you want to go first, or you would like me to? It seems like you just set me up to go first, anyway. So <laughs> I'm gonna I go first. Just I guess rolled the ball into That's, your court. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to kick it straight out of the park, so be prepared. Oh. Um, ready? Yeah. Ready. That was me what getting ready. Just to- oh, she was okay. catching a ball that you were was gonna- in the air. Got it. Yeah. Got it. Okay. So we are. Um, our story takes place in Carnation, Washington. Carnation is a small... Rural. Yeah. Farming town. Pretty much where everyone knows each other. So... The Anderson family is made up of Wayne, who's 60, Judy, who is uh, 61, and they were happily married for um, about 31 years. They had um, three kids together, Mary, Scott, and Michelle. Um, This takes place in 2007, and at this time, Scott was 32 and Michelle was 29. Uh, where was I? Okay. Judy worked at, uh, hmm. hold on. Judy worked for the U.S. Postal Service while Wayne worked as an engineer for, uh, Bowen, which I, is that airline, I think? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, super cool. Yeah. I feel like he's a, I was going to say, I know there's a local company called that, but I don't know. I didn't know if it was the airline. Well, like they, I think it's, I don't think. Might be a different one. I feel like it's a plane manufacturer. Yeah, I feel like they right, make like a like sense. a Boeing five hundred. Like I get yeah. what you're saying. Yeah, that's what I thought of. Like I feel um, like it's a type of a plane type thing, like a Boeing four something. Boeing with a number or something yes. behind it. I don't know which one. So at this point in 2007, Scott was married to his wife Erica, and they had two kids, Olivia and Nathan. Michelle was living with her boyfriend at the time, Joseph. McEnroe, yeah, uh, in a trailer on the 10-acre property of her parents. Okay, so Michelle, boyfriend, living on the property, mom and dad living in their house. I'm nervous. December t- what? I don't know, I'm just nervous. I mean, I feel like if any family lives on the same property, it's bound to cause trouble. Also, I feel like someone's going to die. Where's, what gives you that feeling? I don't know, just the, the context. It's a good feeling. Let's go with that. Feeling. <laughs> uh, December twenty fourth, two thousand six. Christmas Eve. 
The family had plans to get together at Wayne and Judy's home, much like how my family celebrates. We get together, my in-laws and I. Um, the home was described as festive and cozy with the Christmas tree lights blinking, which, side note, that is so fucking annoying. Do not put your like Christmas tree lights, lights on blinking. Like, anyway, 2007, who cares? Uh, the smell of a roast dinner was cooking in the kitchen. Judy was wrapping gifts for her grandkids while Wayne was relaxing on the couch, watching TV. Very, very cozy, very everyone's family does this. Uh, when Michelle and Joe entered the home around 4 p.m., each carrying a loaded handgun. Maybe they asked for it on their Christmas gift. I was going to say, say, that's an th- odd Christmas gift. My, my first thought was like, oh dear. And then I was like, well... Maybe it was a Secret Santa gift. Or some people, some people... For guns for Christmas, but maybe not loaded ones. What? Where were we again? Washington. Washington. Oh, Carnation. Yeah. Carnation. They probably got mooses to kill. Meese. Uh, Meese. Moose. Some people bring like, appetizers or d- desserts for Christmas pre- uh, Christmas Eve. <laughs> Others I tend to bring, bring guns. Like, pies, but not really loaded handguns. My presence. It's a different good. culture, guys. It's a small town. Different culture. Washington's very we'll never different. Understand. Apparently. Um, it's all the rain. Joe distracted Judy while Michelle attempted to shoot her father. What? How, how did he distract Judy? <laughs> I don't know. He <laughs> knocked her down and pinned her to the floor. I don't know. Okay, I didn't know. I didn't know if he was like, like so what are you rapping? Or if he was like, I'm going to distract you by putting this her? gun at your face. Mm. Flirting with her? No, I didn't know if he was like, so how's your weekend been? Or if he was like, hey, distraction. Meanwhile, her daughter's in the living room with a gun to her husband. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. The house wasn't super big, so I'm going to go with the gun. Um, and was, it, was it just Wayne and Judy in the house at this point? Yeah. So anyway, <laughs> Michelle <laughs> attempted to shoot her father. However, her gun, gun jammed. So Joe had to shoot him for her um, and then shot Judy. Killing them both. That's a good. That's a good boyfriend. Is it and a man that'll supportive. shoot for you? Yeah, supportive. Like, what if she wanted to kill him though? Her and gun she was lost jammed. That opportunity. He could have given her his gun. That's a good point. Maybe there was a conversation. I don't know. There might have been. Who knows? I wasn't. I, w- there. I wasn't. To there. be fair, to be fair, <laughs> devil's advocate for Joe. I gotta <laughs> imagine that it was probably a split second where he was like shit because wayne's not pull the I, trigger jams i wouldn't imagine that wayne would just be like oh take I, your time you fix i'm that. sure wayne had guns in the house yeah like, he was probably putting the recliner into sport mode, sport mode. is that a thing i don't know okay. putting up the recliner putting the legs down what <laughs> putting the legs he, was, the he was legs? On, he was on the couch first <laughs> of all anyway so judy and uh what's his name wayne wayne we're uh are now deceased michelle and joe cleaned the room and then dragged her parents bodies out back to a shed to hide them in they then sat and waited for the ne- for the next family members to arrive just a sigh i just don't i don't approve of this behavior not this is not very santa ain't coming to town for them uh-uh um, this about is the worst hour... kind of Christmas surprise. It's Christmas Eve, so like it's not even Christmas yet. <laughs> Sorry. 
Oh, about an just, hour later. Did you choke <laughs> on your lies? <laughs> the bullshit in your mouth got too big. You choked on it. It's hard to swallow sometimes. Um, the around bullshit? an hour. Yeah. yeah. Jesus Christ. <laughs> about an hour later. Yeah. 5 Scott p.m. Showed up? Scott, Erica, and their children arrived. Oh, nothing, seemed nothing seemed off in the home, so they started like settling in for the the uh, evening's festivities, like getting comfortable in the living room. Then Michelle and Joe popped out again and amb- ambushed the family. Michelle Were they opened hiding so- in like a closet? They might have just been chilling on the couch and just like surprised them with a gun. No, all the articles said that they popped out, so I'm assuming like oh, from so the they were like hiding. Something. Yeah. Okay, Can you imagine if they were hiding like behind the couch? Surprise! <laughs> Merry Christmas. That's, also, that's a terrible way to surprise your family. I'm I'm impressed with how well they cleaned. I mean, it probably wasn't spotless, but it was spotless enough that they didn't immediately notice as soon as they walked in. But they like started settling down. Bailey said they came. Maybe they knew that everybody else yeah. was coming a lot later in the day. Maybe that's why they showed up early. Because they had planned this through. Very thoroughly. No, I know, but I'm saying, like, Scott and Erica and the children were, like, settling into the living room and didn't notice a big puddle of blood. I feel like there should have been blood on the couch. Right? That's what I'm saying. Maybe it's so I'm, I'm impressed with their cleaning abilities. They had an hour, at least, to do it, so. Anyway. Um, Michelle opened fire, fire on Scott shooting him a total of four times. During this time, Erica was able to quickly dial 911, um, but the only thing that that was able to be heard was her screaming, not the kids, before the line went dead. Hmm. Yes. Sorry, did you tell us anything about their kids? Like, their ages or how many there were? There were two. about to. Okay. Uh, Michelle then shot Erica twice, and she ran out of bullets. So... Olivia, who was five, and Nathan, who was three, were screaming and clinging to their mother's body when Michelle told Joe that he needed to shoot the kids. Fourteen bullets total were used to wipe out most of the Anderson family, and the police did respond to Erica's attempt to call, but they stopped by the locked gate at the end of the uh, property and uh, driveway, and they decided not to go further. Well, I mean, how are you going to get around that gate? It's a real Crash into it. It's Um, tricky. Billy, it was locked. Depends on what kind of gate it is. It was locked. Doesn't matter if it's locked. Hard to get through. Impenetrable. (laughs) I'm I'm mocking the police effort. I I totally 100% agree, um, but still. December 26th. Linda, Judy's best friend and coworker, was surprised that Judy was absent from work. Again, she worked at the postal office. So, right after Christmas, they're back to work delivering letters and Santa's fan mail. Um, she had this uneasy feeling and decided to stop by the Anderson residence to check in. She arrived at the property around 8 a.m., finding the gate still locked. She got out of her car and walked around the gate and approached the front door. <laughs> So did she the gate stop? I think it I, I think it must have been like a driveway gate. And they just, yeah. and then they didn't gate the property. Oh my god. Okay. Well, didn't they say it was ten acres? Yeah. 
That's a big... That is a big area. But the police were like, oh, shucks. There's a gate. Can't go in. It's probably yeah, also, nothing. They didn't follow up at all. They responded on the 24th, and then they were like, it's a small town. They wanted to go back home to their families, probably. It's and like they probably just dismissed it. It bullshit. It's bullshit. There's a lot of issues. I'm disappointed in their behaviors. Go ahead. They make up for it later. Um, so she knocked, didn't receive any answer at the front door, but found it was unlocked and peeked inside. She was met with Scott's lifeless body on the floor, and at first she was concerned for like a gas leak, such as like carbon monoxide, and that's why he was like knocked out. Um, she didn't notice the obvious gunshot wound in his head. Not far from Scott was a woman's body and a young child. She kind of glanced at that, thinking that it was Judy and didn't want to take, like, a further look at her deceased best friend. Um, but she quickly ran to the landline phone in the bedroom and called the police. She spoke with the 911 operator for approximately 30 minutes. She said that she was too frightened to look at the woman's body because she was afraid it was Judy. She had told the operator about Michelle and that she lived on the property in a mobile home. She had she also said that Michelle had been upset recently over money. She mentioned to the 911 operator that she had told uh, that she had found the gate was locked and quote, hoped that Michelle didn't do anything crazy, being the did fact the, that it was locked and it had to be, like, a family member that did it. Did the dispatcher say, how did you get through? How did you get through the, I the locked know. I didn't gate? read that. I didn't report all of her 911 calls. The long I think it you a shirt that says the locked gate. Yeah. <laughs> Can't get through that shit. Um, investigators arrived on scene around 9.30 I guess uh, they're pretty far off the beaten path. I don't know. Either that or there's not, like, a lot of investigators. Because um, it seems like it's it took them a while to get there. They found oh, Scott. probably cold. Yeah, that's true. They found Scott, Erica, and Nathan. On closer inspection, they had found Olivia huddled under her mom. Oh. All four had been shot in the head. And as they searched the rest of the property, one of the police officers ventured outside towards the shed. Uh, and found the bodies of Wayne and Jody. Judy. 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 Three hours later, as they were still searching the property and collecting evidence, Michelle and Joe pulled up the drive. Oh, Neither... I feel good about this. That's awkward. <laughs> yeah. Neither of them see seemed phased by the long police, uh, the large police presence. Nor did they ask one why there are so many officers on their property, or if like anyone was injured or like where like wayne and judy was like what are you guys doing here like they yeah. were just like waiting yeah they were like hey, oh. i have a question yeah so the oldest daughter did she not come home for christmas no she didn't make it to this well i mean that's probably for the better lucky dog. yeah so like any investigation they initially um started interviewing them and asking questions like where were you like what when was the last time you saw your parents and stuff? Michelle said that they had been on their way to Las Vegas to get married, but they had gotten lost and decided to turn around and come home. I think if you just head south. I was going to say it's Washington Wasn't there to Las GPSs Vegas. at this point? Or In 2007, like definitely. Map quests, map quests? Like printouts of just like yeah. the directions? 
I don't know. I was 15, and I think when I first started driving, we still had to print stuff out. I remember my parents using MapQuest printouts Yeah, when I was around that age. So there was definitely options. I'm, I think there was GPS, too, but just not great. Very, ones. yeah, very... Yeah. The ones that took forever to mm-hmm. update and shit like that. So she had said that she hadn't seen her parents since Christmas Eve, just before they left for Vegas. That asked, might not be totally inaccurate. That's, you know what? That's true. They asked why she thought they were at her home. Uh, that's when she broke down. That question was the really, like... That's what got her? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Why do you think we're here? <laughs> I don't know. What do you mean? Yeah. Um, she instantly said, it's not Joe's fault. It's all my fault. As soon as I shot the gun, I felt so bad. Like, what the hell have I done? I'm a monster. Which time? I was going to say, she shot, like, a lot. It wasn't yeah. just once. Which, which time made her feel like a monster? Maybe it was the she kids. She didn't specify. Well, she didn't kill the kids. Oh, yeah, he did. She just killed her brother and her well, sister in law. So she tried to kill her dad. Yeah. Didn't funny, funny enough, you bring up the children because she was Uh-oh. asked about that. Um, they asked her why the children had to be killed, and she explained that they would be too scarred for life after seeing what had happened to their parents. I mean, that would be traumatic. However, I feel like letting them live would have been like kind of nice to do. I'm sure they I could mean, have like worked through it. They got into like somewhat of a happy place the world to get yeah. through stuff like that. Yep. I I just feel like she's a caring aunt. Um, how um, caring? Did she make you, mistakes? Yes. You can call me uncaring because I would not do this to your kids. You would leave my kids traumatized? Unbelievable. No, man. I wouldn't do any Un- of this. Unbelievable. She I just wouldn't, wouldn't take their parents away. She, uh, she was asked why she felt like she needed to wipe out her family. And Good she question. said, quote, she was tired of everyone stepping on her. Oh, gosh. She claimed that Scott owed her $40,000 and wouldn't pay her back. That's a lot of money. What a dick. And Wayne and uh, Judy had also begun to charge her and Joe rent for living on the property when she had lived there for over a year free of charge. I mean, it's their property. The they can kind of do what they want. They, they, Sarah, the, the she lived wall. there for a year free of charge and just now they want to start making I know, her honestly, back? they should have started that from the get-go, but it's still probably no, not an issue. No, it's, listen, Michelle Sarah, is the baby of the family. She grew up She obviously doesn't getting need to give things to everything handed to her and all she wanted was free rent and her $40,000 back. I want to know how she had $40,000 to give to her brother. Oh, she lived rent free. Oh, that's she true. That you part. know what? That's a good point. In a trailer. Rent too. wasn't that expensive then. But she didn't. She regardless, enough. she didn't have to pay it. She didn't have to pay for shit. That's Did she have a job? It never mentioned she, it. If she, she doesn't have one now, Vegas probably not. <laughs> she doesn't. She doesn't. She doesn't have one now. No, not even in prison. Like a prison yard I, job. I don't. I don't know. Maybe she made your license plate. That'd be fun. Did they do that, or is that fake? I don't know. I feel like they do that at some places. I don't know. Um, so they also asked her how long she had been planning the murders, and she said two weeks. And oh, she had meditated. asked Yeah, she had asked Joe to help her out on time. Um, help her out too. Oh, he's so con- su- he really is such a good boyfriend. 
Their confessions went on for nearly two hours and detailed who killed who after they were after they were promptly arrested. The lead detectives were um, able to get the information about like where she stashed the guns um, and she dumped them in the hold on. Stillaguamish River. Look at you Googling stuff. Thanks. Um, two days later, December 28th, they were charged with six counts of aggravated murder. In uh, June 2008, during a jailhouse interview, Michelle confessed to the murders once again, saying, I wanted the most, I want the most severe punishment, which would be the death penalty. I think if I kill a bunch of people, I'm not sure I deserve to live. I want to waive my trial. Unfortunately, their trials were drawn out for a number of years, despite both confessing. In October of 2008, the King County prosecutor, Dan Satterberg, had uh, said that he wanted to seek the death penalty for both of them. He received significant pushback um, from Judge Ramsdell, who ruled against it. Also, unfortunately, the governor had also said that no one would be executed during his reign in office not reign run or uh <laughs> his reign so his time in office. um so it took a long time uh september 5th 2003 washington state supreme court overturned judge uh ramdell's ruling regarding the death penalty in order that the trials of both of them go on ahead and they were tried separately so Joe's trial was first. It uh, began January 20th, uh, 2015. That's my birthday. That's traumatic. <laughs> Happy birthday. <laughs> um, Prosecutor O'Toole was pushing the death penalty while his defense attorney was arguing that he was mentally ill and had been coerced, co- 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 coerced? Yeah, into killing the family by... Michelle. In March uh, the 25th, 2015, the jury found him guilty of six counts of aggravated first-degree murder. During his sentencing hearing, he took the stand and was unhinged and emotional. He's like, there's pictures of him, like, crying and, like, breaking down and stuff. It's all, like, bullshit. I mean, he did kill, like, children, so I think he should cry. At least a little. He could have stopped. They charged him. True. They charged him with six murders, but he only killed four of them. But he was actively involved in all of them. Yeah, yeah. so wouldn't you, but wouldn't it be a, like different, like four counts of aggravated murder, two counts of I think it's hanging out? It probably, it probably has something involved. to do with the fact that, um, because it's first degree and they, they planned each of them together. Yeah, whether, whether he pulled the trigger or not, he planned it. He also did nothing about it. Like, nothing to yeah, stop Yeah, and then he cleaned up the first two bodies and then prepped yeah. to get the rest. And based on, like, past experience, um, had Michelle's gun jammed a second time, he probably would have just taken over. Yeah. Yeah. I would like to say, do you think that the investigators were like, wow, this was super easy? Like, they both just were like, yeah, Probably. I did it. They didn't fight it at all. <laughs> they, just like, they yeah, asked, we did it. 
They asked her three super chill questions and she was just like, oh, we did it all. We did it. It was everybody. Here's where everything they stepped happened. all over me. I'm That's so sorry. Yeah, she just tried to give everything away. And yeah. he just, they really didn't have to work hard. He's pulling the mentally ill card, even though he was really just is bad. Yeah. And he's so, just, I think, trying to find a scapegoat. It's really annoying. He, during this sentencing hearing, while he was on the stand, he was at one point barely able to string sentences together, but that was due to being heavily medicated with anti-anxiety and antidepressants. Hmm. Why are we giving him those? That's my thing, is like, if he's on so many that he can't string together a sentence, why is he on that many? I wonder if maybe he was, like, um, prescribed stuff because... He probably, in order to do the not sane defense, they have to like talk to a psychiatrist. Mm. So they gave him some stuff. They pres- to make it I'm wondering. I, well, I wonder if they prescribed him anxiety and depression meds. But then in the prison, when they was taking the meds, mm. he would just kind of like whatever they do, where they like hold him. Yeah, yeah, put him in, and then he just took a bunch right before the trial to try and make himself look a little crazy or die on the stand. Uh, you know, whatever. Hy- hypothetical theory. Right there. Um, at one point, he began laughing hysterically. That's he I find that also, um, while descri- describing the look on Judy's face while he shot her, which I don't know why that was a question, oh, uh, he put his hands over his head and began rocking back and forth uncontrollably. So he was, I don't know if this is like all the medication or whatever, but he was really going for that uh, insanity defense. I hmm. feel like he was over dramatizing it to make it seem like he actually was insane the emphasis on like the hysterical laughter and the rocking and stuff because if he was this remorseful wouldn't he have been this remorseful right after it happened and not a year later no 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 more than a year more like than a year we're in 2015 now oh i forgot yeah this is yeah. like eight years away he spent a lot of time thinking about it and they, uh, taking a lot of medication probably the prosecution still wanted to make sure that the jury understood that he played a equal role in this, pointing out that Michelle couldn't even load the guns herself. He had to do it for her, and also, even brought extra bullets. He also he killed like two thirds of the people involved. Well, and yeah, you know how people get treated in prison if they're known as children killers. Mm-hmm. Like, so I feel like that's another thing is he wasn't. I feel like he was pushing the insanity dilemma to try and save his own butt at that point. Yeah. The prosecution um, told him, I think we've established none of these murders would have happened without you. And he responded, unfortunately, that's completely true. So, like, I think he's he's definitely aware of what he did. He's definitely not insane. I don't think either of them really had an escape plan for this. I don't think they thought this through at all. (laughs) They both seem really willing to They thought through the murders, but not how to get out of them, if that's what their goal was. It doesn't seem like they're trying. No, it kind of let it happen. I wonder if they thought that they had, like, time before anyone came to the house. Well, the the gate was locked. Yeah. When they were going to Vegas, so it makes me think that maybe they were going to run off, but then why'd they come back? They got lost. They forgot something. I mean, I think they needed to get lost if they were trying to get away from it. Yeah, but they got too lost. They got really lost and it got scary, so they came back. They went north instead of south and they ended up in Canada and it was really confusing. There was like a border patrol and everything like that. (laughs) So, in May 2015, he was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. 
Um, just a side note, in Washington State, for the jury to recommend the death penalty, all 12 jurors must rule in favor, and only 8 uh, out of 12 ruled in favor for him. Which, I get it, but like, also. Uh, Michelle's trial began January 25th, 2016. And they had instantly taken the death penalty off the table for her, just based on Joe's trial. The prosecution's opening statement described the motive of the massacre was pure and unadulterated greed. They were referring to an interview Michelle had had with a detective when she brought up money more than 35 times in her explanation of why she did it. Hmm. More than 35 times. Yeah. That's ridiculous. So that tape of her confession was played in court, which sent mixed messages to the jury just because at one point she was calling herself a monster and a bad person for murdering her family. Yeah. But then she went on to say that her mother, her father, her father, and her brother had abused her over the years. That's a big narrative switch up there. Yeah. Well, you know, both should be true. I mean, it's possible, I guess, but why not bring it up till then? Because she needed time to think of it. Oh, yeah, she had to think about it first. She had to come up with the idea. For eight years, or six, or nine years. Um, During her trial, it was also revealed that she actually hated her sister-in-law. She thought that Erica had pushed her out of Scott's life. Oh, that's weird. Yeah. That's her brother. Yeah. She also well, kind of became, like, a stuck-up see-you-next-Tuesday, because towards the end of her trial, she started attacking her judge, saying she wanted to file charges against her court-appointed lawyers, saying that they were, uh, she was convinced that they were lying to her. She wanted to have a temporary leave from jail, just a little vacation, what? yeah, to find her own private attorney. How do you but think you the ju- ask for a temporary leave from jail? She did nine years. She can take a break. I mean, yeah, she's been, like, there almost a whole decade. She deserves a vacation. Yeah. The judge then then denied her request, and then he she yelled at him for violating her rights. Well... Can't you find lawyers while you're in jail? Like, aren't you supposed to find I feel like that's a good spot to find references. Actually, no. Because if they're in jail... Their lawyer is. But if they're already... If they're in jail, do you really want their... I mean, that they, they clearly have to have a lawyer. But it's, but no, it's, but I'm saying, like, if the lawyer, if you ended up in jail, then don't you want the lawyer who got their person off? That's true. Yeah. You want somebody no, but, that recently got out I mean, got if it's, it. like, a slam dunk case like this, a lawyer can still, like, be good and, like, get the, like, a lower sentence or something. Um, her lawyers didn't call a single witness on her behalf citing how difficult she had been and refusing to cooperate or communicate with them for years. Really? Aww. She doesn't seem difficult. <laughs> she seems super honest. Yeah, she seemed very chill. Uh, April 21st was her. Uh, she was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. During her sentencing hearing, Pam Mantle, um, who was Erica's mom, addressed her saying i don't think you're a bit you're big and tough michelle i think you're a bully and a coward i am broken hearted every day i miss those six people 
Pam had also spoken out after Joe's trial, saying he has no respect for anybody. He had no respect for the two people who were the kindest to him, Wayne and Judy, who took him in. He shot them both and threw them in the backyard. I have nothing to say about him. The only thing I could find, like, about Mary, their first daughter, was uh, at Michelle's sentencing hearing, Mary said that, uh, told her, it kills me. I loved you so much. Just know they loved you. Which, Mary, do better. Like, you I could, feel like you could have said so much more than that. Be more powerful. Like, come on. But, um, yeah. That is the case of the Carnation Christmas Massacre. Carnation Christmas Massacre. All right, so that leads us into that was that was my segue for you. Yes. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm going to tell you about the Lawson family murders now. It's similar to Bailey's case, but different. Was it around Christmas? It was around Christmas. It involves a whole family, um, and there are children who die. <laughs> you invited me over for the death of all the children well Merry it wouldn't be christmas without children dying yes okay true true good point um you know jesus was born on christmas uh so equal it's a balance where are you going with this i don't no, know i i was i was oh i said i was ready to hear where she was i was like it's trying a balancing to act. Which direction she was going I was excited to see where it was going to go. All right, so. It's going dark and clearly to someone that's never paid attention to church. Ready? Here we go. Charles Charlie, a.k.a. Charlie, Davis Lawson was born on May 10th, 1886 in Lawsonville, North Carolina. He was the third of eight kids born to Augustus and Nancy Lawson. Wait, where did they live? Lost. What was it? So... Charlie Lawson lived in Lawsonville, North Carolina. Did they own the town? So Lawsonville was and still is an unincorporated community located about four miles from the North Carolina and Virginia border. Um, I had to Google. I did some research. Unincorporated? Yeah, what does that mean exactly? So a, a town is unincorporated when it does not have a local government. Oh, I don't like that. So a cult. No, yeah. so it's just like people hanging out. Yeah, like mountain oh. people. Like right? a like. Well, is that it's strange? well, it's more of like just like a town without like a. It's just such a small no, town. They yeah, don't. They don't have like a mayor. People. There's like it's okay. unincorporated. It's just like um, there. It's unincorporated. And I tried to I tried to look into how it got its name. Like, were they the first people there? And then like mm-hmm. people just started coming around them. I no idea. When Charles was t- about 25 years old, he married Fanny Manring. I like the name Fanny. Do you? Manring? Is her last name? Yeah, Manring. Manring? Manring. Okay. So Fanny Manring Lawson was born October 13th, 1892 in Stokes County, North Carolina. She, too, was the third born by her parents, John and Ona Lee Manring. These names are in third. Yes. Lee and Augusta. Augustus. Well, I, I, it's O N A. Ona. Ona, or Anna. On, no, I feel like that'd be Ona. Ona. Ona Lee, and they had ten children. Oh my god! So, yeah. Char Charlie's parents had eight. 
Um, Fanny's had ten. Do they know what birth control is? What wasn't what? this I'm in the eighteen hundreds? Oh, sorry, like the eighteen nineties. Oh, okay. God, so, there's a reason they had this many kids. They were bored for the farm. Well, no, they needed them for the farm. Oh yeah, obviously they had to have somebody do everything. So and also like you know if you have ten kids, probably you could lose a couple to the plague. Like yeah, exactly. Then you got from like coach. yeah, yellow um, fever or something. It's not totally relevant. But I have a a list of their siblings' names if you're interested. I'm interested. Um, only me. only two of them make an appearance later in the story. I don't care. Give me a give me a. Okay, so Charlie Charlie's siblings are John, Sarah, Etta, yes. Dosi, Dosi, Lizzie, yeah. Elijah, mm-hmm. Marion, yeah. and. This is his youngest brother's name is George Washington Lawson. His first name is George. His middle name they is Washington. Their child George Washington and their other children like Dosie and Lizzie. Yeah, but I think that Washington is a family name. But why give sure it to one that's named George? I don't know because they wanted him to be bullied. Adam Washington. They I didn't, didn't find bully any... in the 1800s. Yeah, I didn't find anything I'm that sure said they bullied in any generation. <laughs> um, those are really basic. Those are the eight like common names that they, mm-hmm. that Lacey was talking about. People recycling. Lots of Johns. Yeah, and Michaels. I, I like one. Well, I meant, like in general, that time of like yeah. that time period, you get a lot of Johns. Also, also like siblings. Sarah and, and Marianne. Yeah. Marianne. Fanny siblings were Arthur, Harden. Mm. Arden. Yes. Okay. Ida, James, Daisy May. That feels like That's an 1800 cute. name. Johnny. Yeah. There's Sam. John. Annie and Willie. Willie makes sense. Don't know why, it just does. Especially so, for we're in North Carolina, you said? Yeah. These names make sense for North Carolina. In a weird random town in the middle of nowhere. So after marrying in 1911, Fanny and Charles wasted no time in starting their family. Marie was born in 1912. James Arthur was born in 1913. William was born in 1914. And Carrie Lou Lawson was born in 1917. Carrie Lou. Marie, James, Carrie Lou, and what was the other one? William. William. And I'm sorry, it's really important. James Arthur. James Arthur. My bad. You'll see why in a little bit. Okay, gotcha. Is there another James? Yes. Oh my god. There's so many Jameses, so many Johns. So many... They they named two of their kids James. What? Um, the 1800s. It's a name bored. so nice you you name it twice because mm-hmm. you lose the first one. Do you have to That's call them the full their middle name? So, hold on. So, <laughs> Marie was the oldest, James Arthur, William, Carrie Lou. We're in 1917, we've got four kids. In 1918, Charles's brothers Elijah and Marion moved to Germanton area, moved to the Germanton area, which was a farming community. Charles followed suit and moved his little family of six the 21 miles south to Germanton, North Carolina. Germanton was also an unincorporated community, having been established in 1790. So, in the new town, the Lawsons worked as either sharecroppers or tenant tobacco farmers. I found sources that said both. If you don't know what the difference is, I can explain. Did you have to look that up? Yes, I did. So the difference between 
the difference is that um, a sharecropper does not own anything needed for the farming for farming the land, which they also did not own. Whereas a tenant farmer may own a home near the land and also own their own seeds, fertilizer tools, and plow animals. See, I feel like it would be the reverse because when I hear tenant, I think of somebody that's just like well, borrowing. So the tenant is renting the land oh, and okay. has like a house nearby and has like everything All they their need. Stuff. Yeah, whereas okay. a sharecropper is like just there to they're, do the work. They're sharing the the crops. The crops. They did so, um, sharecropping around uh, after slavery was abolished to keep like people that pick crops still without having to pay them because they would just oh, get a cut okay. of the the uh, the crops as like payment. So um, in 1920, William Sanders Lawson died at the age of six just four days after his birthday of pneumonia. So they had four kids. Now they're down to three. The Lawsons continued, though, to build their family, welcoming Lucinda Maybell. Lucinda! That's a good name. She often went by her middle name, Maybell. Maybell. It's adorable. In 1922. And then they had James William. So not James Arthur. They had James James William. William. In 1925, and they had Raymond in 1927. I like that they also have another kid named William. Yes. They named him James William. So, yes. I'm glad you noticed that. I did. So, James Arthur... There's there's too many names. I need, like, a list. Yeah. James (laughs) Arthur went by his middle name, Arthur. William went by William, but then he, you know, died at six, so... He's gone. Less confusing after he's dead. James William... James William went by James. Oh, I got myself confused. I thought the other James died. No, no, no. But William died. Yes. And they named the next kid James anyway, even though they already had a James. Mm-hmm. Why didn't they just rename him William? That's well, so they, prob- did, they did. They did the middle name, I guess. <laughs> yeah. That's just, so he probably went by William anyway. No, no, no. He went by oh, James. What? <laughs> Sorry. So the top one went by Arthur. James Arthur. <laughs> yeah. Went, by, went Arthur. by Arthur. William was William. And died. And died. Until he died and then at six. The next boy that was born was James, James William. William. Goes by James. James. Okay. Yes. I got you. I need like it's a so piece simple. of paper. It's so simple. So at this time, it was 1927, the Lawsons had Marie James Arthur, a.k.a. Arthur, Carrie Lucinda, a.k.a. Mabel, Mabel, James William, a.k.a. James, and Raymond. They had saved up enough money to afford their own farm on Brook Cove Road. In the evenings, Charlie, Fanny, Arthur, and Marie would work together renovating the farmhouse. While removing rotten timbers, Charlie accidentally hit himself in the forehead with an axe. What? Same. Do you need me to say that again? With the pointy I, side or the um, I want one a side. visual aid on that one. How does one accidentally do that? Well, you get it stuck and then as you're pulling it. Yank it. it. Was it the back of the axe or the front? It didn't say, but he lived. So. Oh, okay, so it must have been the back. Okay. Do you have a question, Bailey? No, that answered my question. Because I okay. said, was it the sharp end or the blunt end? Well, so he lived, but after the accident, neighbors and family members noticed a change in his personality. He probably got a major he had a, Yeah. <laughs> That's <laughs> called... Oh, really messed up his brain. That's Traumatic called brain trauma? Yeah. So, then we fast forward. So, that was 1927. Now we're going to fast forward to August 26, 1929. The Lawson's depression. Yes. And because the best thing to do in times of economic 
trouble. Have kids? Is have not more have kids. Do it. No, that's the wrong thing. Have more kids. You gotta have but, all the kids. So, August 26, 1929, the Lawsons had their eighth and final child, Mary Lou Lawson. She sadly would not even make it to four months old. They kill her. Did she get sick? A week before Christmas, they killed her. Charlie took the whole family for an outing to Winston-Salem, a city in North Carolina. Why are he they traveling? The- it's the Great Depression. They can't do shit. He he bought them all new clothes. <laughs> what? And you can't afford that- this. And insisted they have a family portrait taken by the town photographer. Red he flag. Said- huh? Red flag. Red yeah. flag. He's yeah. he's getting mementos. He's doing like one good last day, and then he's killing. I have one last good thing together. It was, he said, part of a Christmas surprise. Mm-hmm. Does That's the rest weird. of the surprise involve an axe? That doesn't Side well. note. I wanted to look into Winston-Salem because I thought that was an interesting town name. Um, and I found something interesting. So William H. Holcomb was elected secretary and treasurer of the city in 1913. In May t- 1929, which was the year that they went there, um, the city ha- was being audited. And on May 28th, the city financial records were seized by the auditors, and it was discovered that approximately $60,000 in city funds was missing. Holcomb committed suicide on May 30th at his desk in City Hall. He he was found with a revolver gripped in his right hand. And just so you know, 60 k in 1929 is equivalent to about $1 million in 2023. It was so, the Great Depression. I know, and he was stealing. And he was stealing money from his town. And then they were audited him, and he killed himself. I thought he should have. He should have run away, went out west. Yeah, I mean that would have been back then. You probably just run. I was gonna say there. There's not gonna be a lot to stop you. <laughs> you could anyway, just get a wagon. Cool. So on Christmas Day in 1929, the day before little Mary Lou reached four months old. Marie woke up early to begin baking her signature des- her signature dessert, a raisin cake of some sort. I don't I don't know. So, meanwhile, Charlie and Arthur went rabbit hunting with Charlie's two beagles. Oh, they- what were their names? They were unnamed <laughs> because it was 1929. They were probably named James or William. And they didn't name their dogs at that point. What? I don't know. They didn't name dogs. I'm then? sure they did, but we don't know. It was probably James and William. They ran out of Rover and Max. They ran out of ammunition, so Charlie sent Arthur to Germantown to buy more. After sending Arthur away, Charles returned to the farm. Instead of entering his home, he hid out by the tobacco barn, waiting. Inside the house, Marie was finishing up in the kitchen. It was about 1 p.m. when Carrie, who was 12, and Mabel, who was 7, left the home to visit their aunt and uncle who lived nearby. As they were approaching the barn, Charlie suddenly shot both his daughters with his 12-gauge shotgun. He to lied an- about not having ammunition? Yes. <laughs> I didn't even catch on to that. <laughs> Neither did I, but yes. What an asshole! Also, a shotgun is really loud. Yeah. Couldn't it blow, like, the whole town heard that? He had a He's lot of ammunition. He's shooting rabbits. You'll, you'll, find, you'll find he had a lot of ammunition. It's, it's rabbit weapons. season. That's why he was out of it. To ensure, hold on. Side note: He sends Arthur away. You can't choose a favorite child. Ammunition. Well, I mean, I guess at this point nobody cares how old you are when you buy ammunition. 
Marie. Rabbit, rabbit hunting. For rabbit hunting. Marie was 17, so Arthur was 16. Oh, Again, okay. you can't it's choose a, a favorite child. It's his oldest son. Maybe that's how some men, like, boys were, like, coveted at that time. Yeah, some, he had to oh, leave one to carry so on the, the name. after Women massacring his eight-child family, he wants to make sure that the name gets carried on at least once. I mean, yeah. he's got the name of the town. I don't think You're he needs to. You're being a little presumptuous. You don't know that he killed everybody. He's, he yeah, just picked off two of his daughters. <laughs> <laughs> he's a liar, and I don't like him. Well... Giddy up, here we go. Oh, God. <laughs> it's gonna get worse. <laughs> to ensure their death, he then bludgeoned them with a hoe handle. A hoe handle? Then he moved the bodies into the barn before making his way to the house. Charlie first encountered... <laughs> um, have you ever seen the Cat in the Hat uh, movie? Yeah, when he steps on the garden hoe yeah. and he says, you dirty, dirty hoe. hoe. I'm sorry, sorry, baby. I love you. So Charlie first encountered his wife, Fanny who was peeling potatoes on the porch. He shot and killed his 37-year-old wife right there. The gunshot came as a shock to the remaining members of the Lawson family. Marie screamed while James and Raymond tried to find a place to hide. On the How porch, old were the kids? I'll get there when I get there. I have a thing to say, but I'm going to wait till you're done. On the porch, Charlie reloaded his shotgun, then entered the home. He shot Marie, who was 17, in front of the fireplace. He found his four-year-old and his two-year-old son and shot them both. Then he bludgeoned his three-month-old baby, Mary Lou, to death. He positioned the bodies by putting rocks under their heads and crossing their arms. Afterwards, Charlie fled into the woods nearby. What he did while in the woods, no one is really sure, but he was in there for a while, apparently pacing around a tree. Meanwhile, Charlie's nephew, Claude Lawson, arrived for a visit to the house. Claude was the son of Elijah, and he was 14 when he discovered the bodies of his Aunt Fanny and cousins. In 1991, Claude described the scene in a 1991 interview with Fox 8, saying, quote, Whenever I went in there, some of them were laying in the house dead. Blood was running ever which way. Sorry, I have to get into his accent. Blood was... Blood was running ever which away. He killed them all in the house there, but two girls. He shot them right there at the barn and drug them into the barn and put rocks under their head. So just before sunset, a gunshot was heard by the many people who had already learned of the murders on the property and gathered there. Lawson's beagles actually led the police to his body. He was found leaning against a dogwood tree. He had two little beagles, and they were laying beside Uncle Charlie, is what Claude said. He shot himself over there in the woods. He carried a stick and turned the gun right toward him, toward his heart, and shot himself right in the heart. That's what Claude said. Police found letters to his parents, and on a crumpled scrap of paper, he had written, Blame nobody but I. He was the one that got head trauma uh, during with the yeah, ads, right? Yeah, this sounds like a severe case of just head trauma gone bad. And two years later, he killed most of his family. Yes. Mm -hmm. So everyone the Lawsons had known came to see their seven coffins lowered into the crowded grave at Germantown's Browder Cemetery on December twenty seventh, nineteen twenty nine. 
The entire family was buried in a single plot sharing a headstone. Mary Lou, the three-month-old baby, was buried in her mother's arms. The inscription on the headstone reads, Not now, but in the coming years, it will be in... It will be in a better land. We'll read the meaning of our tears, and then sometime we'll understand. I don't think so, we'll ever understand. The killing attracted so much attention that an estimated 1,500 people were in attendance at the funeral. Mm. And following the murders, ne- neighbors went to the house to collect souvenirs. Oh, that's not okay. 60 years. You want to know everything that they took? Oh, God. 60 years after the murders, the author Trudy Smith met a reader whose ancestor had visited the cabin soon after the killings. The reader said there or no, sorry, Trudy said their family still had a jar which contained Fanny's blood scooped up from the edge of the porch as a souvenir. In That's f- messed up. In it fact, there was so much blood that neighbors could scoop it up with a coal shovel. Oh my god. The dogwood tree in which Charlie leaned against was stripped bare within a few hours of his body's discovery. People were taking They're his bark. Vultures. They were taking the bark from the tree. This is concerning for their mental health. His guns, the bricks from his demolished cabin's old chimney, even the raisins from the cake. Not the raisins. Marie baked a few hours before her death have all become collector's items for those with an interest in the case. Side note. <laughs> they didn't up. they didn't take the raisins. They took the cake, ate the cake, but picked the raisins and out. And they take the raisins out? No, no. There's leftover raisins. You want to know what happened to the cake? Did yeah. it just become dust? No, hold on. Oh. Um so these items are passed from one generation to the next in parts of North Carolina and treated as treasured family heirlooms. I don't want a jar of blood as a family heirloom. <laughs> Personally, that might just be me, but you know. Within 10 days of the massacre, Marion, Charlie's brother, had the cabin securely fenced off and began running paper or running newspaper ads for 25 cent tours he planned to offer there. So, tours. at their peak, these tours pulled in as many as 500 people a day. Even after the house had been closed, Marie's cake made its rounds in traveling dime museums. Protective plastic had to be used to cover the cake after several onlookers swiped some raisins. What's with the raisins? Well, I'm I'm thinking that it was like the raisins were on the outside, so people would just like grab one and be like, they're starving. But how do they like prove it's from the cake? I think just just the story. I mean, that's fair. It was the 1920s, but I think it was They didn't have a lot more to do them the the cake toured for at least a decade the reason for the massacre is a subject of debate even today the mention of a christmas surprise led some to believe charlie's actions were premeditated others blame charlie's head injury however an autopsy analysis analysis of his brain at johns hopkins hospital found he had no abnormalities okay but when was this autopsy done like what year Probably soon after his death. And I, Johns Hopkins was, is always an amazing hospital, but how great was the technology at that point? There's no way that there there was like MRIs back then. Do you need an MRI? If you can have the brain just like right here and you can like cut it open. Just cut it open. I didn't think about that. You can just hold it. Never mind. (laughs) Um, Many other rumors. Many other rumors circulated, including speculation that Charlie had witnessed an organized crime incident. 
He and his family were murdered to silence them, and the scene was staged to look as though Charlie had committed suicide. Another theory involved a black man Charlie had started a fight with. Neither of them, neither of these theories seemed to be too plausible. It sounds like, honestly, like a small town starting rumors type thing. Sounds like they're reaching really hard for something else. You ready for another twist? Uh Uh-oh. In 1990, the book White Christmas, Bloody Christmas was published, written by the author I mentioned earlier, Trudy Smith, um, and M. Bruce Jones. In the book, Stella Lawson, who was the daughter of Marion, who was Charlie's brother, claimed that she had overheard a conversation between her sisters and mother. Jenny Lawson. They were allegedly discussing how Fanny, Fanny, Charlie's wife, confided in them that she was concerned about an incestuous relationship between Charlie and Marie. Jenny Lawson died in the early in early 1928. So, if that conversation is true, Fanny had been suspicious of the incest at least a year before the murders took place. A second book written by Trudy Smith in 2006, entitled "The Meaning of Our Tears." revealed that a close friend of Marie Lawson's, Ella May, told Trudy that a few weeks before Christmas, Marie told her that she was pregnant with her father's baby and that Charlie and Fanny knew about it. So say that were true. Mm-hmm. He would realistically be angry that that's probably coming out. Yeah. Because it could cause his whole family to disrupt. So he's like, why don't I just end it now as it's happy? Well, I feel like... um, Well, I feel like if he and Fanny knew about it, he probably wasn't worried about his family falling apart. They probably would have just tried to say that it was Fanny's kid. Probably. But... But in a small town, maybe he was hide her the whole time. Maybe he was just kind of... Embarrassed? When I think also getting pregnant out of wedlock regardless at that time period was not great, let alone if people in the area found out you it was with your father. <laughs> let alone if it was your dad who did like, it. I feel like if they lied and said she was just pregnant, they'd get issues. They could send her away. I mean, that's true. I guess they could just like ship her off. It was the, But it was the 1929. Like what? They couldn't afford that. Did they do an autopsy on all their bodies or just his? Just his, I think. Oh, that's dumb. I think they just analyzed his head. I feel like they should analyze a little more than just his novel. Well, it was the 1930s. I thought it was 20s. Well, it was 1929. It was Christmas 1929. I rounded. I added six days. So, in March... They they buried the family like three days after it happened, right? Yeah. And they had time to ship him to John Hopkins. Did they just ship his brain or like his whole head? Or I think they probably. Lie? I think they probably just shipped his head because he was, or his brain because I think he, well because he was buried with his family. I'm sorry, but if and the, according to his nephew, he shot himself in the chest, so there wouldn't be any damage. I, I'm also I, I I know John Hopkins is like, but like it's the 30s. I don't trust that autopsy. There's got to be some. That's head, what she was saying. Trauma. Yeah. yeah. But, like, side note, if my father had killed me, I would be mad if they buried me with him. Yeah. Like, pissed. Yeah. He did it out of love. Clearly. <laughs> in ni- in March 1930, Walter, quote, or Walter, a.k.a. Kid, Smith of Carolina Buddies, the band. Have you heard of it? No. Obviously. Hasn't everybody? 
that he wrote a ballad entitled Murder of the Lawson Family. He wrote a whole song called about the murder? It's not that long of a song. Oh, okay. I mean, it's still <laughs> more like a poem. Yeah. Here, here it is. It was on last... No, no, Christmas- no, 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 no. Sing it. No. It was on last Christmas evening. The snow was on the ground. His home in North Carolina, where the murder was bound. His name was Charlie Lawson, and he had a loving wife, but we'll never know what caused him to take his family's life. They say he killed his wife the first, and the little ones did cry. Please, Papa, don't, won't you spare our lives, for it is so hard to die. But the raging man could not be stopped. He would not heed their call. He kept on firing fatal shots until he killed them all. And when the sad, sad news were, was heard, it was a great surprise. He killed six children and his wife, and then he closed their eyes. And now farewell, great friends at home. I'll see you all no more. Into my breast I'll fire one fatal shot, and then my troubles will be over. They did not carry him to jail. No lawyers did he pay. He'll have his trial in another world on the final judgment day. They were all buried in a crowded grave while angels watched above. Come home, come home, my little ones, to the land of peace and love. Why? That's, that's that? a poem. That doesn't need to be a yeah, song. That, that's definitely a poem. It doesn't. Well, like a song. I feel as though you could argue that a song read without background music is a poem. Mm-hmm. I'm a little what, unsettled um, that he gave the kids like lines in it yeah in a way that kind of do you like that i made them british yeah i I make sense in my head i get it i'm pretty sure in the 1930s everybody was british i mean obviously so when arthur what 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 what, what, what genre of music is that uh band in like country or country screamo okay i think screamo might fit with it Uh, heavy metal it's definitely got some heavy heavy metal vibes to it or um or latin like when you said latin i thought you meant like that dying language and i was like (laughs) um so when arthur lawson charlie's one surviving child found grief overwhelming him in a in later in life it said he would lock himself away with a bottle of whiskey and play that song over and over again which is just not healthy that's like really not okay for your brain yeah that's really messed up. On May 5th, 1945, so... World War Four... II. No, I'm trying to... <laughs> Six, 16 years later? The math sounds like it's mathing. Yes. Arthur Lawson died in a motor vehicle accident. Was he drunk? Who's to say? Was he uh, overseas fighting the war? In a motor vehicle. No. Strange stories of premonitions, curses, and ghosts were rampant in the Germantown area, especially after Arthur's death. And finally, the thing that I want to leave you with is this. Fanny's great-niece, Evelyn Hicks, believes, quote, Charlie left a message for everybody. In the family photo taken only about a week prior to the massacre, that photo would be on the front page of newspapers all over America, showing Charlie flanked by Fanny and Marie as he stares down the camera with a firm patriarchal glare. The message, it's my family and I can do what I want with them. Have, is this image any, do you have this image? I do. do I would love would you to, like see to see this. It? I just found it. Yeah. Oh, you're fast. It's when you Google Lawson family. Oh, it's just it's the, first the first one. Thing. Yeah. So that's the thing that was was publicized right after all this. this that, is what was yeah, shown. this was put on the newspapers. 
Which one is he? So he, it goes, um, Arthur is on the far left. Okay. And then Marie. Mm-hmm. And then Charlie. And then Fanny is holding the baby. I enjoy how in this era, no one smiled. Everybody looks mad. Yeah. Um, In the front is James, Maybell, Raymond, and then Carrie. And I, Raymond is too, but I love the fact that he's like barely in his suit. Mm-hmm. Uh, he does not fit in it. And that was brand mm-hmm. new too. Because remember, he bought them all yeah, brand new but clothes. If you can see that the suit is like shorts. Yeah, it does. And he's got knee highs. He's so cute. <laughs> he's just kind of squished in it. Yeah. Sarah, it was big because oh. he Mary can grow Lou has it. a bow in her hair. Oh, yeah. Mary Lou has a bow in her hair. Where? In the Fanny's arms. Oh, okay. Eyes closed? Oh. Probably she's she looks dead. She's three months old. <laughs> I mean, her, her eyes, she probably fell asleep. They're right lucky now. that she's not screaming. That's a good point, actually. All right, but yeah, that's the Lawson family murders. You had to one up me with the murdered kids. Well, you, you had more kids that go. You through. had six victims. I had seven and a half. And a half. Well, would you count as a half? Did you count Charlie the baby as a half? No. Oh. Seven. He seven murders and then a suicide. I thought you counted the baby as half a person. <laughs> no. I think the baby's worse because he bludgeoned that baby. Like, he yeah. didn't even shoot the baby. He no. just, like, beat. However, a, sh- a shotgun would have made... would have been, baby like, been, worse. Yeah, that baby would have been destroyed. Yeah. Alright, Merry Christmas, everybody. <laughs> well, that Happy holidays! <laughs> well, that was sinister. And we were sarcastic and really, really morbid. And also Chris- festive. It felt more morbid than festive, but... Hey, don't take it away from us. Oh, sorry. And we hope you keep listening. (laughs) Thanks for having me. Oh, thanks for having me. Oh, she ruined it.